0: so I wanted to start this week just by going through a few things that lead up to uh, the first week of Advent. So it came back on again. See, I thought you were the one that did it. And it went off and then it came back on anyway. Squirrel. So I I heard this, and it's kind of fitting, you know, uh, with the message that I'm going to present today, but A Sunday school a Sunday, a Sunday school teacher. Any Sunday school teachers in here? (sighs) A Sunday school teacher asked your class, what was Jesus' mother's name? And the little girl said, Mary, of course, right. Then the teacher asked, Who knows what Jesus' father's name was? And the little kid yells out, Verge. Confused, the teacher asked, Now, where in the world did you get that? Well, you know. The Bible says, the Virgin Mary. This would have been a good time for the... I thought it was good. So, I'm not doing it this week, so don't be salivating today. One of the things that we're all about is preaching the Word. We're, we're, we believe that the Bible is God's inspired Word. Holy Word. Uh, As the prophets, as the disciples wrote down their thoughts, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. He gave them what to say. And all that's written in these books. A little different. You know, this one, it's a life application study Bible. It happens to, these two are the NLT, but I have a couple more. So every week, starting next week, I'm going to give one of these away. And uh, some of you really need this one. Pastor Barb tried to get me to give give her this one already. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe you'll get one in your stocking if you're good. But we'll figure it out. So anyhow, starting next week, I'll give one a week away. And these are precious. How many have a sword? The Word of God. All right. And, uh, again, the NLT Study Bible, it, it's a great way to enjoy God's Word, and this one actually applies what you're reading. So that starts next week. And then next week I'm going to start lighting the candles, and we go through some, uh, the, the different meanings are uh, hope, love, joy, and then peace. And on the, I believe it's the 23rd, we'll do that final one, and that's the, Christ, the day we light the Christmas candle or the, the big white one. And uh, all that will be the next four weeks. We're going to have a guest speaker on the 9th, but I'll still fit this in at the beginning, just a little short scenario. But uh, I believe every week God is going to open some things up to you that perhaps you didn't already know. What I wanted to say today before I get started, and I've heard this over and over and over, there are people who come upon this season And you really struggle with it maybe you've lost a loved one Uh, maybe something tragic happened around this season and you're always reminded of it when you hit this christmas season and you know it's my prayer for you that this year will be different that this year that the the god of love he's going to inspire you in such a way that Yes, you've, you've had a deep loss and God understands what that feels like. He knows your pain, all right? How many know that? God knows your pain. And I believe that he can also help you through this very difficult time and even bring you into a place where Christmas is once again a joyous time for you. And that's my prayer for each one of you today. So if you're struggling... God be with you, help you through this. And if you're here this week and you're just one of those Christmas nuts like Pastor Barb, she loves Christmas. I'm shocked we don't have a Christmas tree up, but it wouldn't have fit with all those people in there. But I think we're putting it up this afternoon. At least that that was the word at my house. So what does Advent mean? All right. Advent is from the Latin word Adventus. Adventus. And it means coming. Adventus means coming. The dictionary defines Advent as the coming of a notable person. So who do you think the notable person is? God in the flesh. Amen. And as Christians, we acknowledge there are two Advents. The first one is represented here today, and it leads up to the Nativity. Alright? God hadn't come yet in the flesh. But he was about to. And we're going to look at all kinds of things today that that will show us what I'm talking about. But there's a second advent. A second coming. When is that? When Jesus (laughs) returns. Now, he's coming back for the church in what we call the rapture. We're going to go up. But then he's coming back with his church, and his army, and he's going to defeat the Antichrist and all of those who oppose him. That day's coming, and I believe it's coming soon. I'm telling you if, you, if you read the Bible, if you understand anything about prophecy, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, you'll realize that we have got to be, right, nipping, nipping at the heels of what we call the tribulation. It's coming, folks. And when that tribulation starts, there's seven years total from beginning to end. And then Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Can you get excited about that? And the best part about that is when he comes back the second time, guess who's going to rule with him? The church. Point at your neighbor and say, you're going to help rule. Mike's not. He's just gonna be. Come on, you got, you got, you gotta be participating here, man. I'm not going. See, John left because he knew I was gonna pick on him. You gotta. When I say, point at your neighbor, brother. There you go. All right. I like to embarrass people. Are there any new people in the house? No, they're not gonna raise their hand. <laughs> uh, anyway i got to get rid of this. Anybody else hot? Well, if you'd stop worshiping the Lord like this, it was cooler in here before. Anybody know how to... Mr. Troy, do you know how to... Anybody know how to bring that down just a little bit? That would be amazing. Honestly, every week it's it's like it's a, a whole new thing for us. Because every week's different. One week it was 68 in here and everybody, that's when John was up here. <laughs> and this week it's got to be 72 or 74. I'm not sure which. And of course I decided to wear a sweater today. What I want to show you during this message is that God predicted that he was coming. Through prophecy. And we call it the what? What, What's the beginning part of the Bible? What do we call that? The Old Testament. How many theologians are in here today? Hermeneutical students. The Old Testament. And then there's the New Testament. That's after Jesus came in the flesh. And I actually have a little slide up here for this. The Old Testament was written before Jesus came as a little baby. The New Testament was written after Jesus came in the flesh. So, the Old Testament is before Jesus. The New Testament is after Jesus. It was written after his death and resurrection, of course. Can we believe this book? Why do I think you can believe it? Because in the the places that we call prophecy, they all came to pass. Now I want to show you something. I got this off the CBN Christian Broadcasting Network, but it was something that they had posted on their uh, CBN.com, I think it was. And it was this. If one person fulfills eight prophecies that were written about him or her. That is one in... How many know what that is? I had to look. One in a hundred quintillion. I didn't even know what it was. I've never seen that number. It's probably going to be our debt before long, but we won't go there. All right, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Eight prophecies, right? Do you think Jesus had eight prophecies written about him in the Old Testament that that came to pass in the New? Hmm, Probably. If one person fulfills 48 prophecies, I don't know who this mathematician was, but it's one chance in 10 to the 150, that's a lot of zeros, folks. And I don't know what that one's called. That's what it's called. One in, uh, whatever that is. You got it. 10 to the 157. That's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of zeros. You think Jesus had 48 prophecies written about him? Jesus had over 300 prophecies that predicted he would come. And only Jesus could fulfill that mathematically. Only Jesus. You know how many zeros would be there if we actually tried to put that out there? So many that we wouldn't be able to keep track. So what does this tell us? God told us he was coming before he came. It was nothing short of a miracle that all of these prophecies were fulfilled in and through Jesus now not just during the nativity some of them went into his ministry and of course his death and his resurrection he fulfilled a lot more during that period of time but my point is he fulfilled them and it was nothing short of the miraculous can we trust this book the other thing i wanted to comment on quickly is in the old testament If you were a prophet and if you said something was going to come to pass and it didn't, what happened? They killed you. So prophets were a lot less apt to speak out unless they were absolutely certain they'd heard from the Lord. We can trust this book. The Old Testament and the New. So I want to look at some prophecies that reveal God's plan To send us a Savior. How many are thankful for that? I wanted to start with Isaiah 7:14. And I have most of these behind me. By the way, there were major prophets and minor prophets. I'll get into that in just a minute. Isaiah is a major prophet. And it says here, all right then, this is the Lord speaking. Or I'm sorry. All right then. The Lord Himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin, who? The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's pretty amazing. Did it happen? Matthew 1.23, look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is what Matthew wrote. Going back to Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 it describes what this child is going to do for a child is born to us a son is given to us the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace his government and its peace will never end he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor david for all eternity the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now we don't have time today, but if you were to go back and look and read the the lineage in Matthew 1, you would see how Jesus came from the line of David, fulfilling that scripture. And then it ends with Jesus. The lineage ends with Jesus. Jesus. Which tells us what? It came to pass through Jesus. Jesus was the last king from the line of David. God fulfilled his promise to you and me. Matthew 1:16, and I don't have this up, but Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus who was called the Messiah. That's in that list. Now, I want to go back to Isaiah 9. According to Scripture, we know that Jesus already came as a little baby, right? That happened. Not that plastic, but the real nativity happened. But has the government rested on his shoulders yet? Of course not. So this prophecy includes both the first advent as well as the second. Because his government is going to be established, but it's going to be when he comes back for us. And then we're going to come back and we're going to defeat his enemies. And then he's going to set up his rule, his kingdom. And you and I are going to help him rule this earth. For how long? A thousand years. Jesus is coming back. Now I want to read from the minor prophet Micah. Here he tells us where this baby is going to come from. Micah 5.2 But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. And again, Matthew repeats a lot of what we heard in the Old Testament from these different prophets. And here in in, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, he confirms Micah's prophecy. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be shepherd for my people Israel. Now there are many places that we discover the New Testament writers wrote about the Old Testament prophecies. When we see them doing that, what does it tell us? If somebody in the New Testament writes about somebody in the Old Testament or talks about them, what does it tell us? They believed it, right? Would they have written something they didn't believe? No. So they believed this Old Testament book just like we believe the Old and New Testament book. They didn't have the New Testament when they wrote the Old Testament. And when they lived with Jesus, they didn't have the New Testament. That came after he died and rose and went to heaven. You still with me? What I'm trying to point out is if the New Testament writers believed that the Old Testament was truth, we should be able to believe that as well. And knowing that these things came to pass, which is what I'm trying to show you today, I believe it will help build your faith up, at least a little bit. Earlier I talked about the five major prophets, or I talked about the major prophets. There are five. Anybody know what they are? Nobody's getting on board. <clears throat> Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Daniel, Ezekiel, and that little book that, I don't know why it's, it is one, Lamentations. I was like, hmm, okay. How do they figure out who the major prophets are? Because first of all, their books are longer, I didn't hear what they said, but it must have been funny. Their books are longer, and also, they tend to be more of a global scheme. Or, or I think I'm saying that right. Uh, it, it impacts the global, all of us, All right, all the people. Whereas the minor prophets tend to be focused. They give details about Israel, about specific events that were taking place. Sometimes, even events like this but they they consider those, because they're a little shorter and they're a little more detailed, not so global, they call those the minor prophets, and there are 12 of those. I'm not going to list them all. Hosea was another minor prophet. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. Now, I read all the commentaries on this, and I was trying to figure out how in the world did they come up with this? that this has to do with this. But all of them confirmed that it's true. So, let's look at it. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. Are you seeing this? Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph listened and he left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet I called my son out of Egypt. So Matthew actually kind of concludes. This whole thing. It came to pass. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Herod, Herod the Great. I I studied up a little bit on on him. He was a pretty amazing guy, but not necessarily in a good way. Uh, He was pretty mean, pretty brutal. In fact, scripture says that. I believe that what happened here was he heard there was a king coming, born of a virgin. Virgin Mary, and he didn't want that little child to grow up because he was afraid that little child was going to take his throne. And through that paranoia, he decided to send his, his soldiers to kill all the little babies who were two years old and younger. I couldn't imagine. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But what I want you to catch here, Barb said it. What did you say? You said when God gives you a vision, he also gives the provision. When you look at this, it could be music at least. God told Mary and Joseph to move where? To Egypt. If you were going to move somewhere, what would you need? Money? Wouldn't that help? Provision? Way to travel? I mean, we're not just talking. They didn't have cars back then, right? You're with us. You all know that, right? They maybe had donkeys. These were probably the biggest mode of transport. So they needed money. And as we're going to see here in just a minute, God provided the resources, the provision. He gave Joseph the vision, and then he provided the provision through these three wise men. Now think about this. God set this up hundreds and hundreds of years before this event happened. It didn't just, oh, by the way, go to to Egypt and I'm going to provide something. No, they knew about it hundreds of years before through the prophets. What does that tell us? We serve an amazing God. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows how you're going to turn out. He's got everything under control. So I believe that after these uh, wise men came, and we'll read about them next, after they came, Mary and Joseph had plenty of provision to get them along the way that they needed to go. I thought that was pretty cool. Numbers 24 17, and, and this was kind of a, it's not really, it's not a prophetic book of sorts. I'll explain that in a minute. I see him, but not here and now. This, who is this talking? Do anybody know? Moses. Everybody remember Moses? I perceive him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. That's kind of weird, but I think it's how it was translated. A star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the foreheads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. Now, it's kind of a violent kind of vision thing, right? Actually, you could almost take where it says scepter, you could almost, uh, what's that thing where, there he is. All right, what's that thing you call uh, that has the head on it, you know, cracks people. A mace, a mace. Do you have a mace? Yep. I should have called you. I was going to have you bring it in just for illustration. But the scepter can also be used as a noggin bunker, right? A noggin bunker, I made that one up. So what is, it, what is Moses seeing here? First he talks about a star from Jacob, then a scepter emerging from Israel... It's going to crush the foreheads of Moab. Now, what were the Moabites? Thank you. Adulterers. They took Israel away from God. They gave him all kinds of things to do other than worship him. That pure worship that the Lord looks for. Are we any different? What's taking us away from him? And what is, what is Moses saying here? He says Jesus is going to come. He doesn't say Jesus here. He says this ruler coming out of Israel is going to come, and he's going to destroy the Moabites. Now, some believe that David did that, and I believe he did in part. But I believe, again, this is a two-pointed thing. David's the, the first guy, yes, He destroyed the Moabites when he became king. But later, Jesus came, and he is going to destroy all of the sinners, the people who don't repent and put their trust in him. That's going to happen soon, sooner than later. Amen? So, going back to this, I hope I'm not losing you guys. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. This fulfills what Moses had predicted. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men or kings from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the, what? Newborn king of the Jews. We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Astronomers can't figure out what planet or star this is. That's why they say it didn't happen. But I want to tell you something. Do you think that God couldn't have had a star come over Bethlehem? You don't think he could have had that star lead those wise, wise men to the very spot where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was living? He prophesied three or four or five hundred years before it even happened. And in the case with Moses, it was over a thousand years, right? God knows everything. He could have put that star right where it needed to be. So these wise men would have found his son. Psalm 72, 10 through 11 says, The western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Saba will bring him gifts. All kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. Now, again, when the wise men came, they were from the east. And they came and they worshipped him and they gave him gifts. We already talked about that. But it says all kings will worship him. Have all kings worshipped Jesus yet? No. So again, this is a what? Two-pointer. It happened during the nativity, when Jesus was young, and it's going to happen again because every knee will bow, every tongue will confess the name of Jesus, including the kings. That day is coming. Hallelujah. I might have to skip over some of these, but we'll see. Matthew 2, 9 through 12, it says, after this interview, and they had gone to Herod, they had asked him where this child was, Herod didn't know where he was, but he, it piqued his interest. This is what got him to go and destroy all the little kids. And the star they had seen in the east guided them where? To Bethlehem. Again, this is a miracle, folks. It went ahead of them and it stopped. How many stars just stopped? Come on. When the star stopped, they were filled with? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Not today, but in a few weeks. They entered the house, saw the child was with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All these things are invaluable, right? They could have sold it for hundreds and hundreds of dollars today. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God warned them in a dream not to return to here now there's a lot of dreams going on during this time period as you'll see as an aside how many know that in the Christ, christmas myth they always have the wise men around jesus at the at the nativity right as a little baby is that when that happened they say it was about two years, we don't know for sure, but it was about two years later that the wise men found Jesus. So Jesus was like the little guy back here. He was running around, all right? They came to his house, not the nativities, not the manger, not, or wherever. We don't really know what that is either. I won't go there today. I don't want to ruin the whole picture. But there are some myths that aren't true so these wise men were warned don't go back and tell Herod what you saw take another route and the reason that we feel Jesus was about two years old is because when Herod made the proclamation to go and kill all the little infants what were the ages Based on what the Magi said to him, he said, told the soldiers, go and kill all the kids that are two and under in Bethlehem. That's why we're led to believe the wise men weren't there when he was a baby. However, the story of the shepherds is accurate. It's another one of those that's Psalm 72, 9, desert nomads will bow before him. His enemies will bow, fall before him in the dust. It's talking about Jesus? Probably. Luke 2, 8-14, that night there were shepherds staying. You realize I'm going from Old Testament to New Testament, right? Just bearing that out in case you weren't following, tracking with me. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. What is a nomad, by the way? A wanderer? Somebody that's out in the desert, living off the land? What did the shepherds do? Took their sheep from place to place. When they'd eat all the grass in one spot, they'd move to another. Another. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring good news. Ooh. That will bring great joy to all people. Poke your neighbor and say, he brought good news. That will bring great joy for all people. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, right there, we could highlight that and stop right here today. I'm not going to, but we could. I have a little more. By the way, I didn't tell you this, I'm going to end with Just a short little video that's going to wrap this all up. But when I read that, I thought, oh, Lord, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. What's the good news? Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Hallelujah. That's exciting, isn't it? Need peace? Please God. Talked about that a few weeks ago. Luke 2, 5, uh, excuse me, 15 and following. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. How many would do that? Let's go to Bethlehem. Forget the sheep, man. Let's go see what this kid looks like. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's bringing good news. I want to see it. I don't know what they did with their sheep. If they scattered, I don't know. Maybe they left one of them there to watch them. But I know the Bible says they went to see this baby just as they were told. They hurried to the village, found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child, Jesus. Look at that little critter over there, Jesus. I know he's only plastic, but just picture him. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I can't imagine what Mary felt. I just had Jesus. Take that. (laughs) Some of you women who've gone through long childbirths, you think you're all that, but she had the Son of God, sorry. She trumps you. The shepherds then went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Ah, we can trust his word. We can trust it. Good news. Good news. It's good news. Thank you. Good news. Everybody say good news. All right. We don't want to just let the little children say it. The last Old Testament prophecy I wanted to share describes the pain that the mothers felt when King Herod carried out his dastardly deed. Jeremiah 31.15 predicted this. This is what the Lord says. A cry is heard in Ramah. Deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children refusing to be comforted for her children are gone. I cannot imagine what these moms, and I don't want to minimize what they went through. Can't imagine what they felt. Don't want to minimize what they went through. But some of the historians have said this never happened. At least it was never recorded other than in this. Do we believe this Or do we believe the historians, the best explanation that I can give you, Bethlehem was a town of probably around 1500 at the time. What is that, about half the size of Gaylord, city limit? And out of that 1500, there would probably have been somewhere around a couple dozen babies that were two and under. Realize also that um, kids didn't live real long back then. A lot of infant mortality going on, all right? You with me? Often they didn't even make it through childbirth. So if there were two dozen babies, they're probably about half and half, right? Male, female. So how many would little boys would that leave? A dozen, about. I mean, we're just, we're guessing, but So why wouldn't this have been a big deal? Twelve little boys lost their life. And nobody wrote about it. Is that big news? There were other things going on at the time as well. Big things. What the Christian historians believe is that it was such a small detail, a, a bump in the timeline of history that, It just didn't get written down yes it was too bad but they were used to children dying and therefore because it was such a small number they didn't even record it that's just one guess okay but it might be why we don't read about it another thing i wanted to note this happened shortly after he had his soldiers go and kill the babies Herod died. They say he died, I believe it was from kidney disease. And and I was hesitating on how to say this. He also had uh, gangrene in his lower parts. So bad, there were those little, oh, I won't go there parasites that that's it i was thinking of something that fly larva leave behind but that's actually what they say happened can you imagine this dude went out horribly and i believe it was it was immediate judgment immediate judgment for what happened right here you know god doesn't always respond immediately but what this guy did was uncalled for. And God heard their cries. As I wrap this message up today, I wanted to share from what John the Baptist's father said. His name was Zechariah. And when the angel came to Zechariah and he said, Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby, <laughs> you know what he did? He laughed. We've seen that before, haven't we? Uh, Only her name was Sarah. Sarai. He left. He didn't believe it. Ah, Lord, I'm old. You know what God did? Oh, it's still going to happen, even though you don't believe me, but from here on, he couldn't talk. God put a muzzle on him And he could no longer say anything, and that's the way it was going to be till his baby was born. So if God tells you your wife's going to have a baby, even if you're 80, trying not to look at anybody here, don't argue with them. Otherwise, you're going to be quiet for quite a few months. All right. It was beautiful what ended up happening. And and again, the angel predicted that this was going to come and that they were going to call him John. And John was going to become John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to Jesus. Jesus. He was going to proclaim the way. There is one coming whose sandals I am not Worthy to untie. Wow. And it happened just as predicted. And this little Elizabeth, who must have been older, had this, she conceived, had this little boy. And when the people asked her, hey, Elizabeth, what are you going to name him? Zachariah? No, John. And everybody's like, come on. Because back then, you named your kids after you so they could carry on your lineage, right? And they were so, they were so upset with her, they finally said, Fine, we'll just go see what Zechariah says about this. So they went to Zechariah, and they said, Zechariah, what are you going to name this baby? What are you going to name this little boy? Expected he was going to say, Zechariah. And he says, They bring him whatever they brought him. I don't know. Flintstones, tablet, uh, parchment. Blood. I don't know how he did it. But he wrote or was going to write. And as soon as they handed him the tablet, his mouth was opened. And he said, we're going to call him John. People were freaking out. They're like, what? The angel told me. And I didn't believe him. But it happened, just as he said. We're calling him John. We're calling him John. So Jesus' cousin was John. You with me? All right, is that cool? Listen, I wanted to read real quick, and then I'm going to close after the movie. Luke one sixty-seven to 70. This is the prophecy. And there's a lot more to it. I'm just reading a little piece of it. But this is what Zechariah prophesied. Then his father Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this prophecy praise the lord the god of israel because he has visited and redeemed his people he has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant david just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago so here we see Zechariah proclaiming the very thing that god said would happen and it came to pass and then I had this, this little part right here. Eight days later, after Jesus was born. Oops. I go the wrong way. There we go. Eight days later, after he was born, the baby was circumcised. And they named him what? Jesus. 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 That same Jesus. Well, I want you to watch this. Could you... Go ahead and play that for me and I'll be right back. This is short. Man, I wonder what it was like to really be, to be born in a manger. (laughs) I know, right? I wonder what ever happened to baby Jesus? He grew up. Wait, you're telling me that the baby Jesus from the Christmas story is the same baby Jesus as the adult Walk on water, Jesus? Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I guess I never really put those two concepts together. Wow. Well, I wonder what ever happened to that guy. He went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. Baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus. Yeah, I, I mean, he grew up. I mean, there's some time in there, you know. He grew up. He uh, he taught people. He lived a perfect life. He, uh, he died on the cross. He came back to life, you know. And now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? <laughs> the Jesus that lives in our hearts? Yeah. <laughs> this is really... Okay. I guess I just didn't put two and two together. This is... Whew wow merry christmas denver i guess we should just try to view christmas instead of one isolated event and more of an ongoing story about our salvation yeah it's a a great idea great idea wow we can get so involved in the story that we forget who this Jesus was amazing God Prince of Peace Counselor Bright Morning Star Jesus why did God send him so he could crush sin. The Old Testament uses the terminology of the Moabites, but they represented sin. Jesus came to provide a way where there was no other way. He became flesh so that he could take the sin punishment upon himself. In the Christian circle, we call this redeemed. He redeems us from the curse of the law By His shed blood. And there's so many other prophecies that talk about Him being hung on a tree a thousand years before He ever did it. And it was through His blood that we have the forgiveness of sin today. Thank you, Jesus. The same Jesus that laid in that little manger in Bethlehem is the same Jesus who hung on the cross some 33 years later. And he saw us. We were written on his heart. He saw our faces. And he did it for us. To make it more personal, he did it for you. but it's a gift it always is always will be you don't have to take the gift but my I believe wise advice is that you do because without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness your blood won't do you have sin in you all men have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard he was perfect. There's a reason he was born of a virgin. There was a reason it didn't come through Joseph, through sexual intercourse. The Holy Spirit impregnated her. And I was going to go into that today, but I'll, I'll wait till next week. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. He was sinless. He was perfect. There are some who claim Their God is bigger and better than him. He's the only one that was ever sinless. He's the only one that could be the perfect sacrifice. What did John say when he saw him coming down the hill toward the water? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And how did he take the sins of the world away? you stand with me we're celebrating the birth of jesus during this next four weeks and i believe god has got some things that are so special for us it's going to be like opening up a present every week something new as we go through this together but what i want you to get today is that Jesus is God's son and he's a gift to all of us. Jesus actually said, oh, I had that up there, sorry. Let's get up there. There we go. Oops, went too far. Can I go to the very last slide? There we go. I want you to read this with me. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It was prophesied that he would do this, and he did it. Why? So that you and I would have peace. So you and I would have joy so that we would have life and life in abundance. But you've got to accept the gift. And maybe you've partially unwrapped it and you just put it back under the tree. Nah, I don't want this. It's too much. Listen. There's going to come a day, and I already said it, when every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're either going to do it on this side of heaven on the other side and by then it's going to be too late. Make Him Lord of your life today. Accept that free gift of life today. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. With every head bowed, eyes closed, please. If you're here today, you say, you know what, I need Jesus. I need to confess my sins and get right with Him today. That's my plan. That's my purpose right now. The Holy Spirit's been tugging on me. If that's you, just lift your hand up so I can see it. Hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Put them down. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I see those hands. You Put them down. I want everybody to pray here if you would. We're a family of believers. We trust Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and body. And I believe by making this confession you are starting a new life today the bible calls it being born again and if you'll put god first in your life if you begin to read the bible the new testament even begin with matthew in that first chapter that i talked about reading the lineage of jesus start right there and just begin reading it your life will be changed in jesus name I want you to pray this if you lifted your hand and I want everybody to join me. Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation today. Just as John said Jesus was coming, I confess the name of Jesus today. And I say, Lord, have your way with me. Forgive my sins and make me a new person and help me to live All the remaining, all the remaining days I have serving you, loving you, learning about you. I give you my heart, my life, all that I am, all that I have, it's yours. Now have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning when I started even before I came up this morning I felt like the Lord said there are breakthroughs in the house today if you need a breakthrough just lift your hand up right now thought I was going to do it at the beginning but he put me off Hallelujah. Hands going up all over the room. Listen, I saw, I saw breakthroughs in marriage, restored marriages. I saw this. I saw breakthroughs in health. I saw healing brought to you. You're, you're extending your faith right now, and God is saying, I'm gonna meet you right where you're at today. I also saw people who were struggling through this season. You've lost a loved one or, or you've been divorced around this time of the year. And God is saying to you, breakthrough, breakthrough in this area. I have this. Give it to me. Let me take care of it. Trust me. Believe me. And I will see you through this. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for every hand up here today. They need a breakthrough, Lord. That little baby in the manger came to bring us breakthroughs. He didn't stay a child, Lord. He grew up into a man. He served. He walked this planet for three years. He ministered to your people, healing the deaf, the lame, the blind, even raising the dead. Lord, what can't Jesus do for the people in this room today? Your people, your children, Lord, who have confessed Jesus as their Lord. I pray for breakthroughs for everyone, for every need that's here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we thank you for it, even in advance, Lord, for everything you're doing and the people of the hope. And now, Lord, as we go out of here, help us to share about this baby Jesus, about this crucified Christ, about this son, who died, was buried, and on the third day rose again. Help us to spread the good news of Jesus so that others might hear and might find that peace that comes from knowing you. Lord, keep us safe as we travel. We love you, and we commit the people of this church and all of our guests into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. See you next Sunday.